Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Now, Eglin, his power coming up, not because he's just all perfect king. Well, I got this whole king thing down, man. I got it down. I'm awesome. No, God gave you that. And the reason I wanted to say that is a lot of people, they're proud of their position. They're proud of their status. They're proud of their achievements. Did you really do that? Or did God give you that for some kind of purpose? Hmm. Gives you something to think about, doesn't it? Don't get too proud. It may be for God's purpose. Now, here's this 18 years, Israel's slave again. Now, it says King Eglon was a Moabite, and it says he gathered the people of Ammon and Amalek, and they defeated Israel. Now you're beat. Wait a minute. We're God's people. Aren't we supposed to be victorious? Yeah, if you're doing what he tells you to do. They defeated Israel. The Moabites were descendants. Let's let's paint the picture here. The Moabites were descendants of an incest relationship that Lot had with his daughters back in Genesis 19. That didn't start well. So here's this sin-infected, ungodly culture of people. And if that wasn't bad enough, of all people, the Amalekites get involved. The Amalekites. They had been bitter enemies of Israel for a very long time. Way back in Exodus 17, Moses was trying to get Israel to the promised land. The Amalekites are the ones that ambushed Israel from the rear of the caravan the rear is back where you're elderly, you're, you're, you're weaker, your children, your slower people would be. And so to attack from the back is cowardly. It's a cowardly little sneaky snake in the grass move that the Amalekites did. And God was so angered by this ambush that he actually said, I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. These people hated God and God didn't like them either. And of all people Eglin joined up with was these guys? See how bad this is getting? This is getting bad quick. And so these people got together against Israel. This is not just some random kingdom that God is using here. These are people that hate Israel with a passion. These people hate Israel. And God's using them. Guys, you know we have enemies out there. And if you fall out of obedience with God, what do you think he'll do? He could very well use those enemies against you. You don't want to fall prey to your enemies, do you? Follow the Lord. Do what He says. Now, you've heard the saying, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. But to think that God would rather hand Israel over to their worst enemy than watch them sit in their sin. He would rather do that than let sin have them. Guys, this is painting a picture to us how bad sin is. Sin is bad. And there's too many people out there going, no, I'm okay with it. I enjoy it. I have fun with it. Sin is worse than your worst enemy. Judges 3 and 15. 
Here we go again. (laughs) But when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Gera. Oh, I, I like it. It's best to just stick with repentance and stay there. So this 18-year-long heavy pressure caused Israel to finally cry out. You know what? You got to realize this time it took them 18 years before they did it. There's a little hard-headedness in here too. Finally cry out. You know, I, I got to thinking when I was reading this, wouldn't it be good if we could just learn to cry out to God without having to go through this mess first? Wouldn't it be good just, just to cry out? Not let it get that bad. Just realize you need God and just cry out without the pressure. But let's notice that God raised up two men to judge Israel and two men to deliver Israel. Cushan, Reheshtaim, and Eglon were raised up to judge, but Othniel and Ehud to deliver. You know, God is not going to let anybody raise up against you to judge you without raising up somebody he intends to deliver you to. Now, these men didn't raise themselves up, none of them, to judge or to deliver. Not one of them raised themselves up. It says God did all that. So like I said, if things are getting bad, maybe you need to turn to God. If things are real good, well, man, I'm good at my job. I'm awesome. I'm making all this money. Hey, don't you get proud. God may be raising you up for something that he will take it away from you, which we're about to see. Judges 3 and 15. 3 and 15, but when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. Y'all pay attention to these details. By him, the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Ehud made himself a dagger. It was double-edged and a cubit in length and fastened it under his clothes on his right thigh. Now, There's some Hebrew I'm going to try to drag you through here because there's a play on words and a lot of what's going on right now. So listen carefully, you're going to miss it. (laughs) Uh, Ehud's tribe is Benjamin in Hebrew. Hebrew, uh, Benjamin is son of the south, with the south derived from the the word for the right-hand side. I I think it was uh, said that if the if they positioned their backs up against the Mediterranean Sea, their right hand would be pointing south. So if they, they kind of position themselves with the Mediterranean behind them, this is south, my right hand. So uh, Benjamin means right hand or south side. So being called a Benjamite would have been synonymous with being right-handed. Typically, we think you're right-handed. Most of the guys would fight right-handed with their sword, right? So, but the Bible says, and this is why the Bible says, Ehud is a Benjamite, a left-handed man. You see that? Ehud of the tribe of the right-handed, left-handed guy. Your Hebrew thinking would be like, what? It would grab you. I'm trying to grab you without being Hebrew, (laughs) doing my best. Okay, this went against normal thinking of what Benjamites were perceived to be. They were perceived to be right-handed. And so here you've got Ehud, a left-hander from the tribe that means son of the right hand. Left-handed guy. Strange. Okay, what's going on? This is an odd scenario, but God is designing things for a specific purpose here. Check this out. So Ehud makes a dagger, and it says, being left-handed, he strapped it to his right thigh under his clothes. So, you know, you're left-handed, you're going to draw like this from your right thigh. When you're about to go see the king, he's going to go take a tribute to the king. When you're going to go see a king, you've got to pass through security first. If any of you have ever been to the airport, you go through security. 
So when Ehud comes along from the tribe of the sons of the right hand, security ain't going to check his right thigh. They're going to check his left thigh because they think he's going to draw right-handed from the left thigh. They're thinking if he's carrying a concealed weapon, then that's where he's going to have it, in the left thigh, because that's where right-handers draw from. So this is how Ehud was able to take a dagger right straight through security. Y'all see what just happened here? I'm from a tribe that means right-handed. Guess what? I'm a lefty. (laughs) Go lefties. And I confuse people all the time because I'm right-handed, but I eat left-handed. And people always ask me, I didn't know you were left-handed. I said, I'm not. (laughs) But anyway, you see what's being designed here? God's setting something up. You think God's got a hand in this? Of course he does. Of course he does. Let's see what happens. Judges 3.17. So he brought the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now, Eglon was a very fat man. And when he had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who had carried the tribute. But he himself turned back from the stone images that were at Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. He said, keep silence. And all who attended him went out from him. So Ehud came to him. Now he was sitting upstairs in his cool private chamber. Then Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. So he arose from his seat. Then Ehud reached with his left hand, took the dagger from his right thigh, and thrust it into his belly. Even the hilt went in after the blade, and the fat closed over the blade. For he did not draw the dagger out of his belly, and his entrails came out. Then Ehud went out through the porch and shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This tribute... With Ehud, it probably consisted of animals and uh, gold and silver and other useful items. And so King Eglin is expecting some kind of great honor from Ehud's message. So he sends everybody out, silence everybody, leave. And he stands up and, okay, glorify me. You know, you can see what's going on here. So he draws, Ehud draws his his left-handed dagger from his right thigh and the king dies. He sticks him and he's gone. Okay. Now, we can really see God's hand in this moment because not only was Ehud able to get out of the area to safety, but also Eglin's attendants had gone out and left. Everybody's gone. It's just them too. God set up this opportunity. I'm going for it. And he did. The king was completely vulnerable and completely exposed. You know what, guys? That's what God will do to your enemies when you obey him. He will do that even to your enemies. And so God orchestrated this whole thing to execute judgment upon Eglin, and Eglin is gone. Now, this part gets really good here. And I this was the part that really took the most of my research time, so y'all listen real good. This is going to get great. It's going to blow up real quick. If you were an ancient Hebrew reader looking at Judges 3, the name of the king Eglin would have really caught your attention. The name of Eglin would have really got you. Uh, Because the word Eglin means calf. It means calf. That's what Eglin means. Now, take a look at verse 17. Right there it says, Eglin was a very fat man. Okay? So in the ancient Hebrew mindset, this would have been a play on words that would remind you of a fattened calf. Ooh, the fattened calf. What is this about? Why did they raise fattened calves back then? Fattened calves were raised to be sacrificed for the celebration of somebody's long-awaited return. If you recall the story of the prodigal son, 
the father's son, the son turned and left and went off with his inheritance early, insulted dad by saying, give me my inheritance before you die, went off and blew it, got into sin, got in trouble, realized this is too much pressure, I can't take it. So he comes running back to dad, sorry for what he did. He's repentant now, he's coming back. And his father was waiting for him and saw him way out on the horizon. That's a good dad. Talk about a Father's Day's message here. He's waiting for his son. He sees him way out there. He's like, oh, here comes my son. And so in Luke 15 and 22, when the son came back, the father says, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Okay. So in this story in Judges 3, it would have really resonated with the ancient Hebrew mind, the ancient Hebrew reader. What they would have seen in this is that Israel left the father in sin, but due to the pressures of sin, they came back repentant. And so Ehud stabbing Eglon would have shown that the fattened calf has been killed. This would have given the Hebrew reader an understanding of how God, the father, viewed Israel's repentance, that they're coming back, that this is now time for great celebration. They're back. Israel was dead, but is alive again, was lost, and is now found. That's what the Hebrews would have thought. They would have said, oh, repentance and coming back to the Lord is something that gives God great joy. So what I'm trying to communicate to you is don't be afraid of repenting. That's what God likes. And he celebrates it. And the fattened calf was killed. I think that's pretty good for a Gentile <laughs> to come up with, to find that. Now, I didn't specifically know I was looking for that. I found it. I think God had me find it. So that was good stuff. Eglin calf the, was a very fat man. The fattened calf has been killed because the father is celebrating the return of his son. Isn't that good? Awesome. Judges 3 and 24. When he had gone out... Eglin's servants came to look, and to their surprise, the doors of the upper room were locked. So they said, he's probably attending to his needs in the cool chamber. So they waited till they were embarrassed. And still he had not opened the doors of the upper room. Therefore, they took the key and opened them, and there was their master fallen dead on the floor. Now that part where it says he probably was attending to his needs, that, what that means is they figured he was going to the bathroom is what they figured that meant. And that's why they didn't open the door so fast. In fact, they were embarrassed about it. Nobody wants to open the door and see a fat king attending to his needs, if you catch my drift. That's why they didn't open it. But that's exactly the circumstances God used to give Ehud enough time to get away. All these factors came into play. Well, he's probably doing this. We better not open it. Man, you're just giving Ehud more escape time. God really played a good mind game on everybody here. Why? To fulfill His purpose for Israel. And I will tell you, God is still doing that today. they got a lot of enemies. They have this thing over Israel right now, but it's going to change. You watch. All Israel needs to do is cry out to the Lord. You wait. It's coming. God is going to fulfill His purpose for Israel. Judges 3 and 26. But Ehud had escaped while they delayed and passed beyond the stone images and escaped to Sarah. And it happened when he arrived that he blew the trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim, and the children of Israel went down with him from the mountains, and he led them. 
Then he said to them, follow me, for the Lord has delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. I would have been thinking, what? We've been under them all these years. You mean it just flipped in a day? Yeah, it flipped in a day. He delivered them into your hand. So they went down after them, seized the fords of the Jordan leading to Moab, and did not allow anyone to cross over. And at that time, they killed about 10,000 men of Moab, all stout men of valor. Not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for 80 years. After him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goad, and he also delivered Israel. Okay, good golly. 80 years now. Everything gets worse, but everything gets better. Repentance is good. Back in verse 2, we got to remember, it says, God left these enemies that Israel might be taught to know war. Does it look like Israel knows war now? Sure they do. They only killed 10,000 of their best guys. So we've seen both sides of a biblical equation here in this book, in this, in this chapter. God would hand Israel over to its enemies while Israel sinned, but then God handed the enemy over to Israel when Israel obeyed. That's, that's kind of the equation. Friends, this is about the easiest equation I can ever give you to help you know how you can be blessed by God. Sin brings slavery. Obedience brings deliverance. Pretty simple. It's like a seesaw. You do one, you get the other. You do this one, you get the other. Obedience brings deliverance. It's simple. God orchestrated every bit of this whole thing for Israel's judgment to the Moabites' judgment. And now here's this whole 18-year slavery streak that oppressed Israel just got completely flipped over in the other direction in just one day. And it was all kicked off from the point of Israel's repentance. And I am doing my best to try to convey to everybody that hears me, every blessing that God has waiting for you is exceedingly bigger and longer and more infinite than the garbage you've been putting up with. God is waiting on you to repent. What are you waiting for? It's available for you. When you repent of your sins, God will give you a lot more than what you're walking away from. I know people that won't repent because, well, I don't want to leave this. This is where all my friends are. This is all my stuff is. This is my life. God's got a better life for you than that. He's waiting for you to turn. Now, in Israel's case, they didn't just learn how to fight. They learned how to fight with victory. Big difference. Well, I know how to fight. I can take a stick and hit you over the head with it. But what if I'm a better fighter than you? You need to learn how to fight with victory. And that's how they won 80 years of peace after 18 years of slavery. Now, I think there's a lot of Christians that have yet to experience this kind of victory. They have yet to experience it. They know how to pray, but have they forgotten how to pray with victory? A lot of Christians know how to read the Bible, but they don't read it with victory. Christians know how to praise God. Praise the name of Jesus. Or do they praise with victory? Praise the name of Jesus. <laughs> There's a big difference. Friends, as we learn to walk in faith at some point or another, we have to move past the, the whole hum of it all, the routine, the box checking, the barely scraping by with that mediocre attitude about everything. And we've got to move on to a point that we live our lives with joyous victory. 
I got victory over my over all these things because 1 Corinthians 15:57 says, "Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ." This ain't through you. It's not through you. If you're mediocre about life, then it's because you're basing it on you. Israel had gotten distracted away from God, and they started to turn away from the Lord towards other things. And look where it got them. Sold off into slavery. What I want to ask you today, has distraction robbed you of your God-given blessing? Has distraction robbed you of your God-given victory and blessing? If you are not a believer in Jesus yet, you're tired of the slavery, slavery that you're under, you need to realize that 80 years of peace is indefinitely better than 18 years of oppression. When you turn in repentance to God and come back to Him, it is a cause for celebration because He will give you infinitely better than what you're leaving behind. Father, thank You for this story in Judges 3. This Gentile did his best at trying to convey Hebrew thinking, Lord God, but uh, Lord, we're thankful that as messed up as we are and as bad as we blew it, You sent Your Son to die for us while we were still sinners. We were still drowning when the lifeguard jumped off the chair. Lord, we thank you that you view us that way. And with the fattened calf being killed, the celebration now gets kicked off that every person that repents and turns to you is a cause for celebration, Lord. There's more celebrating over one who repents, as your word says. Lord God, we know every time someone repents, parties break out in the heavenlies. So, Lord, I want to pray for everybody in here today and everybody that could hear me on the radio or wherever they are to realize that repentance is so good that they need not be afraid of doing it. Oh, what are people going to think about me? Hey, you be concerned what God's going to think about you. And the way he views your repentance is it is party time. Thank you, Father God, for those who are going to turn in repentance. It goes like this. Father God, I'm a sinner. I ruined it. I messed up. I acknowledge that. And the pressure is more than I can take anymore. Thank you for sending Jesus. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Take it. I can't fix it. I tried enough times. It doesn't work. Fix it, Lord God. I give it to you. And whatever you do with it, whichever way you tell me to go, I'll go. Because I can't do this anymore. I'm out of steam. I want to run on your steam now. Thank you for saving me, Lord God. I'm yours. Let's let's party, kingdom style. Thank you, Lord God, for salvation and Messiah Yeshua. Lord, anybody here who's realized I need to get my life back on track, Lord, show them, bring them back in, bring them back on that center line again, and show them the way to receive your blessing and your victory, that they don't just walk They walk with victory. They don't just fight. They fight with victory. They don't just pray. They pray with victory. It's going to work. God's got this. No more praying in doubt. No more walking in doubt. No more walking in defeat. Through Jesus Christ, we have victory. Let's walk like we know it. Thank you, Father God. This is all by you. We didn't raise ourselves up to do this. You did it, Lord God. I did not raise myself up to be a pastor. Lord, you did it. And Lord, everybody in this room and everybody that hears me, Lord God, those who will repent and call upon your name, Lord God, raise them up and show them what you've got for their their life, the victory in Jesus Christ. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Ooh, the Bible doesn't excite you. You ain't reading it. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.